When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So you drafted a ton of best ball teams, hundreds, a thousand. You're a total sicko. But you never stop to think about, am I drafting all the same players together that everybody else is? Does that even matter? Should I be scrolling all the way down in the 18th or the 20th round to find some guys who are not being drafted in every draft? How do we handle ownership and player combinations, uniqueness, and all those fun subjects? That's what we're going to do here today on Legendary Sickos, Pat Green and Eric Finefour. Let's do it. So, Pat, no one accused us of this, but we accused ourselves of uh, through however many shows that we've done so far for or something that we we tend to like agree on almost every single subject, which, you know, is all fun. But also, uh, you know, we can get a like a little bit of content where maybe you and I don't agree on 100 percent of everything. And we've already done the you and I do agree on this one, but we've done the DJ Moore bit. We've done the Sam Howell bit. We've done all of those, but there's other. Well, Sam Howell, we can do a whole pod on. We don't we, really we can, agree we, on that one. Yeah. Uh, we, what we have been accused of is maybe going a little long on some podcasts. So I, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and put out a bet Especially today that week. we, that we don't quite get to the level that we got to. Uh, Should we last try and wrap week? up now just to uh, make yeah, sure it goes I'm, within three hours? Every time you stop talking, I'm just going to keep going. So, you know, to wrap things up here and see how many times I can get that in, I think it was like five or six last last week. But one subject that I'm not even sure that we totally disagree on, but I think is a good one to cover. And you brought it up last week is what I would really just call it is like this element of uniqueness in terms of, of best ball, because it's actually like really hard to wrap your mind around, like in a practical sense, like you hop into the draft. This isn't like. DFS, you know, anybody that plays DraftKings or something, you can go to a bunch of different websites. Obviously, I work for Roto Grinders. We have ownership projections. We can kind of tell you, right, what are our opponents doing? Who are the stacks that they're playing that week? How are they even constructing their teams? You can figure all that out. In best ball, it is much trickier. And I don't think that that means it's meaningless, but I think that it means you have to be pretty thoughtful about how you attack this kind of uniqueness element because we do know that, like, and I think you even said this on a, a past show is like I'll, I'll, the ideal to like show up to these week 17 finals with just like this fully unique team, right? Your stacks yeah, yeah. are low owned, you have leverage, blah, blah, blah. But putting that into practice in the draft is much different than like 
hoping for it to play out over the summer. So I think we can talk about some of the ways that you may or may not be able to achieve something like that. Yeah. And to a large extent, um, that is going to be completely luck. Like you're, so I showed up with Austin Eckler who was leverage, but only because Justin Jefferson was a first round pick, you couldn't have Austin Eckler and Justin Jefferson together. And Justin Jefferson had the highest finals advance rate of any player over the last two seasons. I mean, he was, driving teams to the playoffs so it's not that Austin Eckler was like a bad player to have he was really good he got me to the finals in the first place by scoring a second touchdown in week 16 I mean he was a was an engine of of uh, final success as well but it was just not quite as impactful as Jefferson and you couldn't have both and so we ended up getting underrepresented because you know relative to how good he had actually done to that point. And he had had a good season overall. So that's just like complete luck. Like you have, you pick a great wide, uh, first round pick and a wide receiver in the first round happens to be an even better pick. And then you get leverage on that wide receiver with your great first round pick. So, you know, that, that is what you want to have happen, but it's not something I don't think you can really plan for. Um, but there is, I think some levers we can pull to try to, you know, maybe make sure we we're at least thinking through that leverage concept. I think that's, that's like almost best ball in a nutshell that I think you have to st- like where we should probably start and wherever you should probably start with just about every one of these subjects. And we've kind of hit on it in the past and a couple of other shows where like the point isn't, that you're going to like solve this puzzle and you could right in DFS, we could probably technically calculate at least much more accurately, like the, the actual leverage and the expected value of this team based on ownership and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think, I don't think we'll ever get to that in best ball. Maybe like, hopefully I'll be retired by then a long time away. Um, but they are, these types of things are these little micro edges and these tiny little levers. I think that you can pull so that, that very top level concept that you just said that like, this is just, this game is like 99% variance, like maybe an exaggeration, but like, like you said, you drafted a good team. You drafted an awesome first round pick and just through the way things play out over the course of a season, he ends up as leverage in the final. That's like the dream. Like that's, that's what we hope for, but you can't plan for that. Like nothing we're going to talk about today is like, how do I get the RB one in fantasy to week 17 low owned? You know what I mean? Which is what Austin Eckler was. That's just kind of total variance, total luck. And there's a lot of that, right? The uh, we'll talk about not necessarily you and I today, but I'm sure over the course of the summer, the things of like ping ponging weeks, right? Like uh, uh, you stack this offense and you get, you know, so the, the famous example is two years ago, T Higgins in week 16 goes nuts. That gets you Jamar Chase into week 17 low owned. Jamar Chase was like a mega smash fifth round pick. Like this was not some, you know, right. guy snuck in cause he sucked. It was an awesome pick who just so happened to be leverage. Are there ways we can maybe try to attack that? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's largely just variants. So I do think it's important to like, get that out of the way. We're not ever going to say here, like some of these things are not achievable. Like the Austin Eckler thing in terms of when you draft, it's not achievable to find a way to make Austin Eckler, like you said, underrepresented in the final. But I think there are little tiny micro edges throughout the course of a draft, similar to some of these other 
concepts that will do structure or or what stacking or whatever you'll reach certain parts of the draft where you can pull that lever and then over the course of your 150 team portfolio you just have these tiny little ownership edges that could set you up for if things break your way yeah that makes a lot of sense i think the the issue with you know if you're coming from dfs um where we pay we pay a lot of attention in dfs to chalk and you know basically who's popular, who's going to be on a high percentage of teams in a given week. And I would say probably two years ago, we were really good at predicting who was going to be played. And last year, I felt like we weren't as good Mm. at predicting who was going to be played because people were paying so much attention to the concept of, I don't want to be on, like if there's two running backs, one's projected slightly worse, but he's going to be owned you know, a fifth as much, then I'm going to play the guy with the slightly worse projection because when he, you know, goes off in, you know, a smaller subset of uh, occurrences, he goes off than the the higher projected guy. But when he goes off, I vault to the top as opposed to holding hands with the field when the chalky running back goes off. So that concept I think has really sunk in for people. And I think it's kind of sunk in for people, here a little bit you know where you hear like oh you, you can't draft like this combo it's very chalky but i would say i think i'm like kind of skeptical of that part of it because one i think in best ball we're a few years ago with the ownership stuff Definitely. we're not like most people aren't thinking about this and most people aren't even like cd lamb and Amonra st brown are being correlated together more often by people who are heavy drafters that's definitely true they're also just going to end up together because they happen to have like similar ADPs on the turn. So they're and they have... did before. To be clear on those guys, this wasn't like a, sometimes this will happen, and people will make that argument. Oh, people are moving the ADPs to align the Week 17 games or whatever. That I don't, in my opinion, that's not the case with CD and Amonra. They've basically always gone here. They deserve to go here, and so it just so they're they're just going to fall into that into place, like you said. Yeah, and I do get the argument that. Given that they're your, their first, uh, they are your first and second round pick, it's likely that if you make the Week 17 final, one of them had a really strong stretch, and therefore it is likely that you know one of them will be high owned, and as a result, there's probably going to be some other Amonra St. Browns and, and CD Lamb <clears throat> combos in the final, and then you're going to be like, ah, oh, crap! I got my top two picks are are kind of chalky. So, yeah, that's that's not like that's not ideal. But I also think like there's a chance like those two are in a game against each other and they're both really strong picks in that range. And like if that's the case, like maybe you want both of those guys in week 17. Like maybe that is the the kind of the foundation of the week 17 winning lineup. You have 16 other picks on your team. Mm -hmm. And I think my feeling on it is like it's so chaotic to get there that how chalky can we really get with a combo like that? Like, do you, what do you think that week 17 final could realistically have in terms of like that pair being represented? Like it's a tough 10% it's, of the field, 15% yeah. of the field. It's definitely a very, very tough question to answer. The one thing I have been trying to think about a little bit more is separating out best ball mania um, as well as like the DraftKings Millie a little bit from the other tournaments and how I handle 
all, all things, everything, but this, this subject falls in line with that too, where when you think about BBM, and you have to obviously two out of 12. So just like every other tournament in the regular season advance, and then one out of 16, one out of 16, and then you have more than 400 teams in the final. Not that 400 is a huge number, but for best ball, I mean, two years ago, we would have been going, our eyes would have popped out of our heads thinking about a 400 person final. So it is pretty big to finish first out of 16 twice in a row. I think we will see like, the guys you need, the air quote guys you need from weeks 15 and 16, in particular 16, are going to be very, very popular in week 17 because you have to finish so much. This isn't beating eight teams in week 15 where you can be like, yeah, I didn't have an awesome week, but like my pod sucked, right? You'll get that. Like there's 15 other teams. There's going to be good teams and there's going to be right. They advanced their top 17% teams in the whole tournament. So and maybe higher. So you're you're running into really, really strong teams with really, really good players on it, probably a little bit more healthy, you know, than uh, the, the rest of the field is. So anyway, right. when you have to finish that that highly in week 15 and week 16 against other really strong teams, I think in best ball mania specifically, we might see a little bit. I, it, I Again, it may not be CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown. It could be a, a seventh round pick. It could be we, it could be jo- right. Josh Jacobs That's, of last that- year. Yeah, I completely agree that we are going to get to the Best Ball Mania 4 final, and there's going to be players that are owned by somewhere, probably a handful of players that are on 30 to 55% of the rosters. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be some performances that are so impactful that you end up like kind of feeling like you had to have, not that you had to have all of them, but you, it's like, if you didn't have one of these five guys, like, I don't know how you did it. You know, it's, I mean, it, it, and there will be teams that don't, but it's going to be really, really tough if you don't have one of these five guys. And, you know, it's probably like there might be an elite tight end who went off twice. Uh, there might be a yeah. quarterback who went nuts. There's probably a late round guy who came out of nowhere, a wide receiver who had a big spike. week. There's a handcuffed running back who did nothing all season, but went off in week 16. And like, you just happen to have him in the 17th round or whatever, like, those guys are going to be massively represented in the final. But that dynamic does create the potential for you to bring in a chalk stack that isn't chalky at all. Like you mm-hmm. could have Amon Ross St. Brown and C.D. Lamb with um, Kyle Pitts. And then you could have, um, you know, some random running back that happens to go off late. And that random running back and Kyle Pitts end up being kind of the guys who got you there. And so, and it's like, you could, you could show up with guys who did pretty well in Amon Ross St. Brown City land, but they never had huge weeks to that point. They just kind of chugged along, helped you get there, you know, like, so I, that's going to happen. Like some of the stuff that's chalky now could, could end up being huge leverage in the final, depending on how things play out. And it's so chaotic. It's hard to predict. Now, if, if Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown were being like drafted together on like 80% of teams right now, then I, I would feel differently. But I think we're looking at the chalkiest we're seeing is Mahomes uh, Kelsey. Kelsey at 36%. Where's this one? The Amon Ross. I have you. I don't think like it, we I actually, pulled up. I actually don't even think it's Amon Ra. We have Amon Ra and CD 
all that high. I need to go to today. I keep screwing this up every time. Hacker's going to punch me when he watches this because I, I need to have to, the ownership projections today up, but I can look it up really quick. CD and Amonra. Because you hear about that one all 12. the time. is like 12%. 12%. Okay. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. No. I'm and, and But you'll hear like, oh, that's a chalk. That's chalk, dude. That's a chalk stack. I, I, it isn't. It isn't once we're in week 17, I don't think. The Kelsey Mahomes one definitely could be. like because yeah. And it's also, it's correlated before that. You know, the, the other thing about the CeeDee Lamb and the Amonron one is it's not correlated until you get to week 17. Right. They're not even in the same division. It's the only time they're going to play each other. The Mahomes-Kelsey one, I'm more open to that argument of like, not that you shouldn't take them together, but that maybe think about doing some other things you know, from that point on, pick a guy who's not being drafted 100% of the time, or we can get into some of the other levers to pull. But there, there's probably things you want to think about with like a chalk actual stack as opposed to a bring back stack. And I think that is one of the most important elements that does get missed in our crazy little bubble sometimes like i'll see it on twitter i mean it, it some of this stuff flows through my brain too right we're all thinking about these kind of advanced concepts and but we have to take a step back and you said it like pretty perfectly we're from a from a drafting perspective all these mentally ill thoughts that we have about how to construct these teams that is not that is not there's there's a, a million teams or whatever in the DraftKings final a very very tiny or in the DraftKings millie maker there's but such a minuscule percentage of that is uh, is people like us. And even then, we don't do these things in every single draft, right? So, like, even the, the sickest people aren't doing every single possible Week 17 correlation and all, you know, and these unique combinations and all that. And we have to take a step back and think about just because something has become kind of trendy or in our bubble on Twitter, right, Uh I'm trying to think of a, a, another example, but uh, let's so let's say last year when elite tight. Now it's funny because elite tight end, as you have outlined very well, has kind of it, everybody's done with it. Uh, even yeah, though take five it, tight ends it, now, that's the new yeah. It, now we're supposed to take five shitty ones as opposed to to one good one. We've we've gone totally the opposite end yeah. of the tight end spectrum. But the I'm elite tight ends it. were in all the winning teams last year. No one cares. Yes. And, and now you're going to win it with uh, Hayden Hurst or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, good luck. But uh, it, it's not even like the point about elite tight end is, is just that I see a lot of people being like, yep, you know, I'm done with elite. I'm done with elite tight end. Or last year, everybody's like, these people are rushing for elite tight end because like it's a talking point. It's in our bubble. A lot of people are, are talking about it, which is the same thing you'll see with the CD Lamb and Amon Ra. It, if you're in this space and you're a sicko, you clearly quickly understand that looks pretty good. They're both good at that cost. I like both of them as picks in a vacuum. Now they correlate. That game looks really fun. It, it makes a ton of sense. But the actual best ball market is not like hammering CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown, right? What they are right. hammering is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Because like you said, that one is like, that's like casual player, just the easiest click of all time, right? You get Travis Kelsey, you, you pick sixth or seventh or whatever. There's kind of a tear break right there. She's like, oh, I'm just going to take Travis Kelsey. The second round, look who is highest on the board left when I had Travis Kelsey in the first round. Boom, I'll take Mahomes. Even then, you say, the casual says, I don't want to take a quarterback in the second round. Mahomes might fall back to him in the in the third round because 
there's not a ton of reason other than a Jamar Chase drafter or I guess T Higgins to take Patrick Mahomes. So sometimes he falls there. So it's just one that falls into place so, so frequently. Just to uh, bring up the CD point, we've, we're projecting uh, CD and Amon Ra at about 12, 12%. And again, this is specifically for uh, like all of this summer. So like not just today, right? Today, maybe it's a little bit of a different number, but by the time, you know, BBM closes or whatever later, we think somewhere around 12% of teams will have that. The highest owned CD Lamb combination is actually with Christian Watson. Because you fall to that, you fall to that fourth round, right? So you think about take CD eleventh overall. You take it the one two turn, then you get back around to that three four turn, and everybody is hammering like it's all these wide receivers nobody wants, right? The Chargers guys, you're like mm, whatever. Mike, you know uh, Jerry Judy, are like oh god, the Broncos really, you know DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, like do any of these guys look good? And Ridley and Amari are off the board. There's no running backs there, so everybody's just like Christian Watson. Okay, he, he's fun. He scored a bunch. Of, he's young. He scored a bunch of long touchdowns last year. I'm clicking him. So he, that would be the combination if you're talking about a CD one where, oh, man, you know, if a quarter of the field are clicking Christian Watson with CD Lamb for no reason, right? The only reason is just like he's there and everybody else, I don't like them. Like that's one type well, of situation I'll where I might think about too. it a little bit. I, I don't I don't I'm not that worried about that because I guess I would bet against the stability of the ADP being that strong throughout the entire BBM summer, you know, that you're that, yeah, Watson's there now and he's an easy click now, but we haven't had training camp yet. Maybe Jaden Reed starts to be really buzzy. You know, Christian Watson could fall, which isn't a reason mm -hmm. to take him, <laughs> but you know, he could <laughs> fall. He could also get really buzzy himself. Jordan Love could look good. You know, they could be like, this team's, Actually, I think they're going to let Jordan Love, you know, run this offense. They're not going to – this isn't going to be a shell of an offense. They want to see what they have in their young passer, blah, blah, blah. And Watson could move up a bit. I mean, I don't think that people are overly excited about, you know, the wide receivers and kind of the, the, the spot right before him. So, he could – you know, there's room for him to maybe move up a little. He's still so, you know, even if he moves up a little bit, he's then he, now he's the the third round pick that you. Oh, he's on the third around. round side of it. Yeah, fair enough. It is probably more that he falls, which isn't a reason to take him. But there's, I think there's, it's just like yes, these pockets line up in certain ways right now, but it's all going to get scrambled. You know, there's going to be there's going to be guys who rise and fall. There's going to be injuries as well. You know, and then the guys who stay healthy are going to move up just naturally. So I think if there's no reason that it's like CD lamb and then Watson tends to be in a pocket of the draft where most people want a wide receiver and they're on the same side of the board. I'm skeptical that that maintains such a high combinatorial ownership throughout the entire summer, because it means we're betting on a very stable ADP market, which I don't think I like that bet. One thing I will say about the stable ADP part is in those early rounds, like if he were a seventh round pick, like um, probably my favorite tier actually of the wide receivers is like the sixth, seventh, eighth or whatever from, I don't know, Lockett or, or what some JSN or something like that, all the way down to like Gabe and Jahan Dotson or Bateman, really. There's that tier, all, all those guys right there. If, if you told me that Bateman shot up like two rounds, I would not. So like this conversation around someone like Rashad Bateman couldn't agree more. No, yeah. no notes, but yeah. oh, Christian Watson at 40 overall is like, 
uh, he said, yes, there, there can be injuries and, and such, but like, there's no real rational way to say, yes, he's going in front of Ramondre Stevenson. Like it's even if Christian Watson. Falls. Yeah, it's because exactly. he falls. But you know, if he, if he ends up being, once people come in and they're like, I'm taking this dude who caught like four long balls and now Jordan <laughs> loves his quarterback at the three, four turn. Like, no, I, I'm not. And it falls more to the five, six. Like, I don't think Watson will fall all the way to, you know, the, the seven, eight. Right. So right. Or the, no, the five, six, I, I don't think it'll fall five, away six. to five, six. I think you five, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be like late. It'd be like, he'll be at the four or five, which is a way to that, to that, to, to that, to that point. Um, still finishing my coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, join, the the, join the club. That's the so yeah. If, if he were to fall, if you think there's a risk that he falls from the three four all the way to the five six, then don't take him. But if he were to fall more to like the mid fourth to the end of the fourth to more of the early early fifth, be a feature of that turn or kind of heading over to that turn, then I mean, obviously, again, you're you're losing closing line value, but that would certainly break this this combo so you wouldn't because see cd i don't think is unlike he think he's pretty unlikely to fall in a meaningful yeah. way um that is definitely true two two things first i mean i probably should have done do this second but it's it's fresh on my mind is that's just best ball mania right so this is right, right, this right. is where what we'll, we'll probably get into which is the most impactful part of any of this ownership and uniqueness stuff is in tournaments which like if you're listening to this right now puppy 2 just came out we've had two poodles you know we've had uh puppy 1 we're going to have plenty more that are like i mean the poodles were lasting Snapchat. 36 hours 36 hours this puppy will be a couple weeks probably i would bet and so when it is drafted in that snapshot of time like you mentioned it it can't because we do know, right? In two weeks, n- nothing is like, this is substantially yeah, it, gonna change. Yeah. So I think that to your point, the discussion of best ball mania versus the other tournaments as it relates to kind of ownership combos and draft rates and all that is a they're they're wildly different. Um, and I personally prefer to leverage them in like the puppy and I mean the poodle that was like twenty four hours. <laughs> like I can I can really kind of put my hat on here and just say, look, I- I'm not gonna have no cd lamb and no christian watt for me personally across my whole portfolio but i can be cognizant of this tournament's only going to last a very short amount of time and given everything we know right now it's going to be one of the more popular ways that people draft cd lamb again that still doesn't mean i don't have to take it but it does but when i show up i'm only going to draft five cd lamb total teams i want to be cognizant of if, am I just clicking Christian Watson every single time because he's right there? I don't want to do that either. So it's just like push pull. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I'm not saying yeah. it's not like DFS. Like you said, the the casual DFS player will say, Oh, that guy's 65% and this other guy's 10%. I'm just playing the 10% guy. It's not like that. It's just, I want to be cognizant of exact, like these more popular combinations and then address them. If you love them and you say, this is still too low. That, but you need to know that too. You know, you need to know, yeah, yeah. do I need to smash this every time? Or am I like, eh, for me personally, man, if they're really taking Christian Watson this many times with CeeDee Lamb for no, re- like there's no correlation reason. There's no, you know, stacking reason. None of that. Happens, maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe I'll back it off a little bit, right? I'm not going to avoid it, but I, maybe I want to have a little more, 
McLaurin, Gibbs, whatever, somebody that, go, you know, Gibbs correlates with him and nobody's taking Jameer Gibbs with CeeDee Lamb. You know, just little stuff like that where it's more so. You being think that's right? Because I do that it. sometimes. I'll do that. I know Gibbs. so do I, but everybody, people don't like Gibbs. Gibbs is falling to your, your point yeah. about Christian Watson. Yeah, yeah, Watson hasn't yeah. been falling and Gibbs is. The um, point about the snapshot tournaments is really good. Yeah, they, that is where, if, if you know, there's a projection that they, these two are going to be, like, kind of over-owned relative to, like, any real reason for it, and it's a snapshot tournament. And I think some of the smaller stuff, like the puppies, um, you know, it's a, that's a 150 max, and it's, it, you know, launched in early June. So it's going to be there's going to be a lot of entries in it from people who consume a lot of content. That's, that's sort of, uh, I think that's a very safe bet. Oh yeah. You know, sometimes the puppies are harder than the BBM, you know, I think they are. I think they are harder. (laughs) So you're going to, if there's like a spot where there are going to be a lot of teams doing like a ton of the same combos, it would be, I think in the puppy, because it's a smaller window of time. There's less kind of shakeups that can happen and the like the people drafting in there and able to get down like a lot of lineups in a short period of time. You know, it's just it's the type of people who would be doing those those combos generally those 100 type of combos. And like that's it's one an- another bullet point in the we have to treat like the puppies and the poodles and all of those differently than we should like later in the summer. It's not now, but DraftKings will start to like launch more like small single entries. I don't know. They ran like a billion $12 single entries last year. I couldn't even keep track. There was, there ended up being like 10 different $12 single entries, but they're smaller field ones. They fill really fast drafters, right? Pretty much takes the whole summer to fill both of their tournaments and BBM will obviously take the whole summer in the DraftKings Millie, which literally we'll has a million entries. Takes. Yeah. It, it, I would so, really like to draft some late August BBM teams. I know. I know. Dog. That's what I'm that's what I'm also hoping. That's when I'm loving the puppies and the poodles and all that because it's helping me flesh out what I want to do so that when I come back around in August, like I'm not BBM's throwing away. Filling, like, I, don't I think know we we just we were thinking they could kind of have it fill whenever they wanted by just launching other stuff. And yet it's let's see, it's a uh, it's already 15 percent filled. That's crazy. And they've been launching a lot of stuff. I know they filled like four other tournaments already and it's still it's still filling but that's like probably my biggest thing when it comes to it's not even like a, a practical way to talk about uniqueness but just in that how wildly different bbm is from from the other tournaments and i will actively be more thoughtful in like the puppy too right now about some of these combinations and and i, I what i also will say is I actually think about it a lot more like as the total collective draft goes on. And so it's not ever anyone like you, we project Mahomes and Kelsey to be the most popular pairing. That doesn't mean I'm not ever drafting Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? It's not binary. Like this is popular. Can't do it. Or this isn't popular. Have to do it. It's never like that, but I'm every time I there's, you know, I'm basically just, just like in DFS, like dude, whether the guy is 11% or 8%, I don't, it does not matter. It's somewhere in the, in that ballpark and that's fine. But I do care about these four guys are going to be 40 plus percent, right? So how am I handling them? It doesn't mean I can't play any of them. I probably don't want to play all of them, right? And so I'm balancing all these different things. If I draft CD and Amon Ra, 
in the first round. Okay, not super chalky, but eh, maybe some sharper guys are doing it. Then I come back around. Maybe I don't take Christian Watson on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't take another who who's maybe I can look up the Amon Ra pairings really quick so I can speak intelligently. Um, yeah, I mean, that would make sense to like break Christian a tie Watson towards- is actually the second highest projected own wide receiver with Amon Ra, which also makes sense because it's so now you're kind of stacking those things up where you're like, oh, yeah. it wasn't just those two. It's like, and again, that also doesn't mean that that's wrong, but it just means I want to make sure that I'm not just blindly firing off ADP. And then we flip the cards over in, in September and I have a ton of these CD Amon Ra Christian Watson teams. When Christian Watson, there was no reason to draft. Maybe I want CD Amon Ra, but I just drafted Christian Watson because he was the best available player there. And so it's like you mentioned, we talked about it with week 17 and like uh, playoff stacking. Keeping that, it it helps keep you from doing things you maybe didn't know that you were going to make a mistake on. Right. You know what I mean? You mentioned Cole Komet. You're like, like, I mean, I like Cole Komet fine. I actually have him a little above ADP, but I never got him. And so when I had the opportunity to take him because of the correlation aspects, it, it made my portfolio of teams better. It made this team right. better and it made my portfolio better. And so that's kind of how I think about ownership. It's like, it's never any one player or even like two or three players in a vacuum, but just being cognizant of it as I'm drafting over my entire portfolio, it helps drive me to making my portfolio of teams better as a whole. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. With the Mahomes one, one thing I'd say right now is like, we're in an ADP environment where we're starting to see the quarterbacks slip a little bit and you're, you're potentially, you know, getting the quarterbacks to slide around the, the two, three turn. I would be pushing that with a Kelsey pick at this point. I'd be saying, you know, let me, Mm -hmm. let me try and get that third round Mahomes because I think we're headed that way. And it'll also help create some combos that are different than the ones that have been created to date but then still with some early season overall team building stuff that you won't, that teams like, like even if Mahomes settles into a third round ADP right next to Kelsey's ADP in the first round, and that combo becomes super chalky in a first and third capacity, you know, in August, those August drafters are still going to have very different overall teams than you. So it's like, let me try to, let me, risk not getting Mahomes at all by pushing him over, you know, around the corner and see if he comes back. But if he does come back, I'm now not worried at all about the the chalky aspect of it because Agreed. my overall teams are going to, it's going to look like an August team drafted in June as opposed to the rest of the, the June and May teams. A hundred percent. And I think that's the thing, right? Is it, we talked about this one too. You're, Every time you like come on the clock or you, you enter a draft, you're weighing all these different things. And ownership is just one tiny little sliver of that. There's 20 different things you're thinking about. Getting that, what you just said, this August team in June, getting, I mean, who the heck wouldn't want Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey? Like if I show up to week 17, I think I'd be okay having having that, uh, even if maybe it's a little bit more popular. But it's it's not just the ownership that says, oh my God, Mahomes and Kelsey are super popular, can't do it. It's like, well, there are ways to do it, but knowing that it's popular can drive you to the smart ways 
to do it. Like you just, like you just outlined, like if I were to draft Mahomes and Kelsey, knowing that a lot of people are doing it, here's how I would do it in a smart way. So I'm not going to get zero of it. I might even like match the end up like matching the field of Mahomes and Kelsey. But when I do it, my teams are going to be better than those other Mahomes and Kelsey teams. Yeah. And you know, there could be a situation where Mahomes and Kelsey have quiet week 16s and um, you know, Tony Pollard does not. Tony Pollard has an amazing week 16. Yeah. And now like if you were to have pushed Mahomes and maybe Pollard Pollard might No, Pollard's probably an okay example because he could move up considerably in ADP. Um if great you know, example. they they don't sign anybody and I mean Pollard yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he was like the 13th or 14th pick by the time we get to August. So um you could have Again, a team that's not very common in terms of the three guys, because you that one's a good Pollard one. One percent, late second. One percent of Pollard teams have Mahomes and Kelsey as a, as just an example. Okay, like today. So, so there you go. I mean, if Pollard is the guy you need in weeks fifteen and sixteen, which he totally could be, maybe he powers a lower owned Mahomes and Kelsey who had an okay. You know, they were fine in the fancy playoffs and they were really good in the regular season, but they just didn't happen to have the biggest games. And then you like show up and it's like, yeah, Kelsey was actually really powerful to have this year, but he, he wasn't the tight end who went off in the playoffs. So, you know, he didn't power the kind of the, the elite tight end crew through and Mahomes wasn't as strong in the, over the last two weeks as Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. So he ends up being underrepresented as an elite quarterback. I mean, you can't, it's so chaotic and so difficult to make it to the finals one out of 16. I mean, it's not like it'd be different if like we were doing like half the team, half the field advances, half the field advances, half the field advances. Like it's not being good over weeks 15 and 16. It's being outrageously elite. Those are the guys who get you to the finals. So it's like, if you, if you happen to have a pair that's good and they're paired with someone uncommon, then you, you need that uncommon person to be outrageously elite in a very specific week, which is variance. You know, you can't, you can't, yeah. you, know, you have no control over that part, but you do at least have your a, a chance for it to play out that way. And then you show up and it's like, dude, I have low owned Mahomes to Kelsey right now. It's the Eckler thing. And of course we're not like planning for it, but it is, it's again, it all goes back to it's, so much variance this whole this whole game is variance dude like not even like injuries injury variance like freaking officiating very like we'll get to week 17 and like they may not call a pass interference or something or they may call a pass interference right you have your stack they throw it to the end zone they pi in the end zone right oh here comes jamal williams touchdown number 20 like it's just variance. It's so, so, so much variance across this whole game, how the scores come together and all that. But all that doesn't mean we just throw our hands up and say, this is all luck, which you will see, you know, uh, on Twitter or in YouTube comments or whatever, people just saying it's all luck. And while it is like all luck in the results that play out, we can do these little things, just like you just said with Mahomes and Kelsey that say over my portfolio, if I do this kind of thing a lot, I'm going to be able to be set up better when that variance comes through for me. Right. Yeah. If the variance doesn't come through for you, who gives a shit? When because the luck you didn't, hits you that spot, nothing yeah. really happens. When the luck hits that spot, some good things are happening. I'm going to go Bingo. stand over there. 
when the luck hits, just in the Mahomes Kelsey example, when the luck hits, you took Kelsey in the first round, Mahomes in the second round, Calvin Ridley in the third round. Like everybody, I'm just making something up. Just like everybody else did, every other team that's drafted right now, right? So even if things move, like you said, Mahomes moves back to the third round or the the Christian Watson movement type stuff, that time, all those teams that you drafted Mahomes and Kelsey on, when the luck hit them, it's zero edge. There, there, there's there's no edge other than the fact that like you have Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, which is of course an edge and a reason to draft them together because yes. if they hit, it's monstrous. But relative, to, like if we're stacking up all these edges, you didn't inherently create any real edge by just firing, ripping away, right? Oh, next guy up on ADP, he's stacking partner, makes total sense. But you can just do little, little things, right? Let me see if I can get Mahomes and Pollard. Let me see if I can get Mahomes and uh, like a wide receiver, I Waddle. Let me see. Let me see if it'll happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And will it? I don't know. Probably not. But when it does, you just built an absolutely like almost from the jump, a really strong plus EV team just got added to your portfolio instead of one where you're like just throwing your your you know shrugging at the variance. Yeah, I think it was uh, Sigmund Bloom in the uh, MFL Ten of Death bet and. I was kind of so intrigued by this and maybe this, I don't know, maybe this will become a popular thing to do now, but he took Kelsey and then Devontae Smith. And then that allows you two outs right now. That's kind of a really interesting way to play. I like this that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so maybe because, because we like it so much, maybe it'll become, you know, we, I, I, I mentioned it, I think three times already since I saw it, um, <laughs> but it is pretty cool because, now you could argue that Smith isn't worthy of that pick. I think he probably is. So, you know, it's, and it's certainly, it's giving up on, you know, some of the eight, the ADP value that we have from the, the two, three turn of running backs in a sense, but is it really because you went tight end wide receiver and then the next pick is not going to be a wide receiver. You're either going to go, yeah, here it is. You're either going to go Mahomes hurts or, a running back would be my, would be my thinking. So Correct. if I get sniped on, uh, you know, taking Devonte Smith there allows me the flexibility to feel like, you know what, if I get sniped on Hertz and Mahomes, I'll just take my favorite running back in that spot and still grab the value and still do something that's going to be pretty unique. You know, I'm going to have this unique group of players. Cause I don't think a lot of these, these third round running backs were either going to like start to feel really shaky about them or they're going to move up. I think. So they're not going to be sitting right here. Um, But, I mean, this played out perfectly for him. He got Travis Kelsey, Devontae Smith, and then Patrick Mahomes came back to him. I mean, that's that's pretty fun, and I doubt this combo ends up being, well, to this point, has probably not been very popular. And this is like the perfect example of, I'm not saying that Sigmund was thinking about basketball ownership when he did this it's the mfl it's a, it's it's a standalone it's, league yeah it's a very different uh but it's uh, two outs to an elite quarterback stack so it's i think it's pretty it's very I, sharp it's it's such a good application of a lot of different things um and again this is to our theme of like you're thinking about 10 different things when you're coming on the clock here he comes on the clock in, in round two and it just say this was underdog this is bbm or whatever a lot of people would just say just give me Mahomes because i don't want to lose it Right. I, I want my chief stack. I don't want to lose it. I'm just going to take him here. Whoever falls to me, because either way, even if you took Mahomes right at uh, the whatever the two ten, there's 
one of these other Devonta T Jacobs, Chubb or Hall mathematically have to be there. If you like Ramondre, you want to throw Ramondre in there. Like there's only four picks after him. So one of the five or six guys obviously yeah. have to be there. And then of course uh, all the quarterbacks. So you would say, Oh, I could just take Mahomes." But what he did is multiple different things. Like I said, it wasn't a best ball ownership thing, but he, he set himself up and he said, there's only four guys back here. I'm either going to get one of, like you said, three things. They're all awesome outcomes. So you can do this in best ball too, right? It's like, you want to get your Mahomes in the way that Pat described. You can do that. Maybe you, right. He took Kelsey third overall. I know it's a little different, um, but you take Kelsey third. And then this, this sets you up for this kind of a, a situation. You're either going to get your Mahomes stack at a great cost with a better and more unique second round pick. You're going to get Hertz with Devonta Smith, right? Which is also a pretty awesome stack and also probably a pretty unique start with Travis Kelsey. Or you're going to get one of this second round running back that we love. Everybody loves. Who doesn't love? Yeah. Chubb, Hall, Jacobs, Ramondre. You know, I know Derek Henry went much earlier in this one, but some, sometimes these guys are all available at that point. It's a it's a win win, win win scenario, and it guarantees you not not uniqueness, but it guarantees you to build like a, a strong starting team that factors in like all these four or five different things that matter at that pick spot. And he did it from the 103. You know. At the 105, it'd be tougher because at that point, like, am I really taking Devonta Smith in the second round there? But I think, you know, you could. You could. I actually still think you could. Yeah. Um, but you could also, you know, maybe if you if, – I guess this move comes down to how strong you feel about Kelsey. Do you want to do – you know, and maybe maybe this is more of like a DraftKings type of thing where it's like a little bit more of an edge to, to having Kelsey probably. Um but, and Kelsey and Mahomes because of the bonuses and right and obviously yeah. PPR like they if they both hit bonuses they their spike weeks together in a playoff setting on DraftKings oh my god dude you get right eight for one twenty and two from Kelsey and Mahomes throws for four hundred and four or something like that you're just racking up so many extra points or rushing bonus from from Jalen Hurts double double yep, bonus yep. maybe yep. um the obviously I should just know this is contingent on both quarterbacks being available when you select Devonta Smith. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be able to push both quarterbacks around the turn there. Uh, and in on DraftKings, I think that's pretty uncommon, actually. Hurts tends to go very early on there still. So, But this is whether or not you're right, you know, you would want to actually try to implement this. I think the way it fell for Sigmund here and the way, you know, he clearly was lining up you know, let me get Mahomes, but gave himself a second out to that other early quarterback. I just think it's super sharp. I just loved it. I think it's such a good application, not just of what we're talking about here today, but just like that's just I, I this is like, it's like my favorite word. That's just thoughtfulness. He took 10 seconds to be like, hmm, I have this Kelsey guy. I would like to have Mahomes with him, but how can I do it in a really smart and strategic way? It's like, well, I just take Devonta Smith. Worst case, I get Hurts. Or not even worst case, right? Best case, I get Mahomes. Second worst case, I get uh, uh, Hurts. And fallback plan is a superstar running back. That seems that seems pretty good, but it only happens. It only happens if you take Devonta Smith. And like that's not a profound thing to take Devonta Smith with Travis Kelsey in the second round. But it was incredibly thoughtful, and he set himself up super well. And that's really all any of the shit is, because like we've talked about the variance a million times. 
Like you're just trying to do, like, I just want to do not ex- literally specifically what Sigmund did, but I want to do things like what Sigmund did 150 times and pray to God that one of them comes through for me. Right. right. That's all. That's all right. I'm trying to do. Yeah. I mean, if we advance one team to the final this year, if everyone watching, we all advance one team to the final, we've all tremendously outperformed our expectations. Even if you had 150 teams in the best ball mania uh, and, and you advance one, I mean, you're, you're expected advance. You are expected to advance based on this advance rate structure. One team, roughly every ten years. <laughs> makes me sick to my stomach. And and that's with 150 teams. I mean, 150 teams times point one six seven 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 seven. Right. That's twenty. So you expect to advance 25 teams. Okay. And then that's times one divided by 16, which is point zero six two five times 25. That's one and a half teams. And then, so that's, you're expected to have one and a half teams in the semifinals. And then that leaves you with 0.097 teams in the finals. So if you did this for 10 years, you'd have one team that gets the finals, actually slightly less. So this is a very difficult. Now, that's if you have no edge. I think we have an edge, but it's still not like. Yeah, but so what? every six years yeah. eight years you yeah know. exactly exactly so it's still like you are you know you're gonna have your one bullet in a good season and yeah it's i want it to be i want to turn over that card be like I, I did it i got there let me see what i got and it's like not some haphazard collection yeah. of randos that are high owned <laughs> that's that's not ideal um so you know we only have so much control over what that looks like and if you told me that i could get a haphazard collection of randos to the finals um i would take it i would say sure of course i'm gonna book that um you know rather than where i sit here today thoughtfully curating all my teams <laughs> with you know I get knocked out in week they get knocked out in week 16 yeah, yeah. um because that's just that's just how difficult it is to make to the finals but, you know, if all of your teams are thoughtfully curated, the odds that the one that does get to the finals, when we get lucky enough to get one to the finals, you know, it's going to be a, a thoughtfully curated team and not a collection of randos. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's just it, right? Is like it's with with ownership and like player combinations and that is most of the time I would, uh, uh, despite the fact that like we obviously built out something to help us project this, I do think it's meaningful. Most of the time when you're on the clock, it's not even something that's probably going to enter your brain. That has, there's always areas of gray. Let me ask you about the, so what, so we talked about like, okay, you know, you can avoid these things to an extent or, you know, I'm kind of more like, I'm not avoid some of the ones, oh, you know, everyone does those two. I'm not really avoiding it as much or, you know, the Kelsey Mahomes one, as we talked about a little bit more open to maybe trying to push that and create. It's mostly chiefs Bengals. I just, just from an actual, like this year's draft, if, if you take one thing away from like specifically how to think about this in this year's draft, I know we talked about the Christian Watson thing. I don't even really care that much about the Christian Watson thing. Although I do, I'll contradict myself when they're guys that logically to have no real rhyme or reason to go with each other, which is kind of the Christian Watson example. I do want to be cognizant of that yeah. because Especially like the Mahomes, in the puppy or something. Yes, like, something short exactly. I, I and do that's, agree I, with that. 
And that's, again, Best Ball Mania is very different than the puppy. I am being a little bit more cognizant. But the main thing, if you're taking something away, maybe you're not subscribed so you don't have access to the ownership projections just yet, it's really Chiefs Bengals, dude. It's like it's like everything driving the top of the ownership projections is how people are putting together Mahomes, Kelsey, Burrow, Chase, T, Tony. It, it, that, that's almost everything is driven around those combinations because you can get you can kind of get them at the beginning. You can get Tony, you know, sixth or seventh round. You can get Mixon in the middle rounds, and everybody loves that game as you should, and everybody loves those two offenses. So a lot of the highest combination stuff has to do with those two teams. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think there's interesting ways to try to build around that game, even if you don't have Mahomes and um, or Burrow as, as your quarterback. You know, you can do stuff like, I mean, who knows? I Last night I drafted uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, a couple, I think maybe a pick ahead of ADP, but I, but I like him a pick ahead of ADP right now. And uh, then I got Rasheed Rice like 30 picks past ADP. I was like, well, maybe I lucked into a Mahomes double Please. there <laughs> yeah, without yeah. Mahomes. I, I, I had uh, Anthony Richardson and Geno Smith on that team. But those guys were uh, – I had Richardson stacked with Josh Downs and Jelani Woods super late with Michael Meyer bring back. So very, very cheap but correlated. And, hey, I mean, cheap guys can score touchdowns too. And uh, then I had Geno Smith with uh, JSN, Tyler Lockett, and Deontay Johnson – and Jalen Warren coming back. So I'd stacked up that game. I'd stacked up the Colts game. I probably don't have any correlation with the Chiefs, but, you know, getting a cheap Chiefs guy and a guy who has at least some chance of signing with the Chiefs is, is one way to, to yep. get exposure. Um, so I, I don't mind, you know, trying to make sure it's like, hey, I want to be overweight the Chiefs and the Bengals, uh, even if I'm doing little mini combos. You know, I do Rasheed Rice and Irv Smith sometimes, or, you know, I'm, once we have a little more clarity and I'm taking Travion Williams on, on the backup running back or whatever, you know, I think that that's totally fine. And it's such a, such a good game between two good, I mean, not, not good, great offenses that it's hard to be like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like they're probably mm-hmm. going to score a bunch of points against each other. I do think though, that people get like really in the weeds on what is going to happen. Um, and, you know, looking at like secondaries and stuff like, oh, you know, this secondary is really poor and we're going to we should be targeting this this game in week 17. Like, I think that if you're doing that yourself, uh, that's fine. Like, you know, don't overweight it. But if you're like, I think I found something, I think this game is sort of being underdrafted or this, this could be like a, a sneaky good game to target and you want to target that game. I don't really have a problem with that. But if there's sort of a consensus building around these, you know, certain games being the games to target, I would want to fade that because all we know is that these teams, teams play each other. That's all we know. We are not going to be good at predicting which of these games shoot out with the possible exception of the chiefs Bengals, <laughs> So like, but we're not, we're, that's not the point of the week 17 correlation. The point is that they're definitely playing each other. So if there's points in the games, then, you know, it can help push the other offense and, and the correlation can work in your favor. So, it, and again, like if people are going to start to gravitate towards, and I think they are, I think people, when they get this, when the week 17 thing starts to click, it often clicks as a, oh, okay. And 
honestly, I kind of like this game. I see this game being, I see it being a really fun yep. game. I'm going to target this game. It's like, that's, I mean, that's okay. If you want to target that game, right. You like the players in that, you know, you think these guys are underrated and these guys are underrated and you can correlate them together. Sure. But like, again, if some games end up being like much more correlated or much more uh, put together and, and those players have higher combinatorial ownership than other games, because in June we thought they might shoot out, like I'm fading that hard. We don't know which games are going to shoot out on New Year's Eve. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. We don't know. So, like, you know, that's one way to get, like, oh, dude, you can't stack that game. Like, the, their corners are too, way too good. Like, oh, really? I can't stack that game because their corners are way too good? Like, first of all, we're terrible predicting which corners are even good. Second of all, like, the, that, they could both have hamstring pulls by the time New Year's Eve comes around. Like, that's what happened both. to the Panthers. The Panthers yeah. did have, the Panthers did have, like, a really talented defense with two really good young corners, actually. And uh, even if you were right about that, J.C. Horn's good, right? It didn't matter because you got to week 17 and they weren't out there and Brady dunking all over them. <laughs> yeah. So like just that, those types of, again, like if you think you have an edge and are quietly selecting guys because, you know, you, you really like this offense and you really like the other offense and you think both are underpriced and you think the market is, is kind of wacky. That's different. But if there's kind of popular games and unpopular games market wide i think it's an edge just to be like shut up just tune everyone out and draft you've selected this guy you know you selected a guy on you know what's the what's the grossest game you know i don't know I, the seahawks and the steelers is, is a not one i don't think people are psyched to stack and up the we're excited for browns and jets but uh that doesn't seem very appealing outdoors on new year's eve Either. That actually doesn't, yeah. But who knows? Maybe it's nice and nice, good weather, whatever. But you know, or the Patriots and Bills. You know, people are yeah. like, yeah, you can't stack that game. You know? well, it's like, dude, you drafted. Oh, contraire! Look at my. Yeah. You see my. <laughs> you drafted Josh Allen in the third round or the second round. Like, you better hope that game shoots out, otherwise you're dead. You know, that's that's just that's it. It's like as soon as you take Josh Allen, that game is shooting out because otherwise, why did you take him? Right, he ha he, you can't take your quarterback at that point. I am trying to think of what. Uh, I don't think people are very excited about uh, Colts uh, Raiders, which is interesting because I'm not sure that that uh, is one that we should be fear fearful of at all. But nobody ever talks about that one. Uh, the only thing that anybody ever talks about with the Texans and the Titans is Derrick Henry, even though I think the rest of that game actually probably should be should be talked about. But to your point. Right, Chiefs Bengals steal the show last year. Bengals Bills, year before. It might have been Chiefs <laughs> Chiefs Bengals year before, but last year it was it was Bengals Bills, but also um, Chiefs Broncos. Broncos, yeah, Chiefs Broncos. That was the God. biggest one, I think. Yes, I was Chiefs Broncos more than yes, Bills, yes. If people like the Chiefs ones because uh, uh, it's easy to do Chiefs stuff because you you don't always have to have Mahomes. Um, you know, because he's not quite you can you can scoop up some of Mahomes' production through his guy since he's not Jalen Hurts or whatever. People right. love people love the Chiefs stuff. But to your point, and I think that that's why the week 17 stuff, and really honestly, why this ownership stuff that we're talking about today, some people just like scoff at it or throw it to the side. Why did why did we <laughs> why did we change the entire structure of 
tournaments on on underdog to to lessen theoretically no lessen week, week 17 it. i know honestly I, even get increased it i know i know <laughs> theoretically did you see the puppy two payout structure you know has 10 percent of the prize pool going to the regular season but it's only 100 teams 100 total regular season teams make make any money in the puppy and there's 225,000 teams or whatever i'm like I understand. I don't I, underdog can do whatever they want to do. I understand. And I appreciate them trying out new things, but people are like, Oh, it's, it's 10% uh, to the regular season. I'm like, it's a hundred teams, dude. Don't worry. If you get there, you, you get into that top 100, you get into that top 100. I'm not drafting for $250 for finishing 51st in the, in the, yeah. in the regular season. I mean, that's, that's the real thing, right? It's like, what's the, so the regular season prize breakdown, 10,000 to first, uh, 9,000 a second, 8,000 a third. It kind of goes down like that. In the playoffs, the top prize is 150,000. Um, eighth place is 10,000. And so, yeah, I mean, you're, I don't know, like, are you going to like sacrifice anything for week 17 for better odds of finishing, you know, for that $10,000? Like, I don't think so. I think you pull the levers to have the best odds of, of winning $150,000. It just seems like a no-brainer to me. I yep. I don't mind the regular season stuff, especially like this, where it's, you know, like you're just kind of rewarding someone for having an unbelievable team who odds are is not going to get paid anything in the playoffs because yep. it's so variant. But does it mean that I want to shoot for those prizes when they're much lower? Not really. I want to I want to be building my strategy around finishing first in the week 17 final, because that's always, I mean, I shouldn't say always, maybe, maybe we'll break underdog and they'll just, they'll just <laughs> turn this into a drafter style tournament. But um, as it currently stands, that is, that is by far where the highest uh, value prizes are. Yeah, it can be, it can both simultaneously be a good thing for underdog and maybe even for the ecosystem. I think a little more so how they did it with the puppy too, uh, where let's just really reward these awesome teams, but not, take too much out of the total prize pool and make it, you know, that what that did is kind of what you've outlined. We don't need to go into it again, which actually kind of making week 17 ironically more important by removing so much and moving it over to the regular season. Because so it's more I, top heavy at the, at yeah, the top it's just, we've so now it. you really just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta win it, but <clears throat> it can simultaneously be a good thing. What underdog is doing with the puppy two thing uh, for the ecosystem, for them, for their customers, whatever, but also not something you should even ever like, consider when you're drafting right it's just a nice right. perk if i hit that awesome regular season team i'm gonna make money in this thing yeah, as opposed make to a thousand bucks or whatever right as opposed to, you make a dollar if you advance to the playoffs like you profit one dollar if you advance to the playoffs so like imagine having that i i understand it right you get 10 grand instead of making profiting one one dollar on that awesome regular season team totally fine but i'm not gonna try to draft for it uh, on the yeah i promise i'm not gonna say to wrap but uh uh on, on, I did want to talk about, because I think we kind of really hit pretty well, actually, the kind of player combinations, that kind of stuff. I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, like draft rate, uh, meaning yeah, that's players, players later in drafts that are not either are or are not being drafted in every single draft. And just kind of what is that is, I think what most people would say in terms of like ownership, the most straightforward part and clearly the highest leverage because right we can talk till the cows come home about Mahomes and Kelsey but they're getting drafted in every draft like yeah whether we stack them or who we have with them 
they're they're picked in every single draft. There's a lot of ways to go around that uh, potential chalkiness. But like, if there's a dude being drafted in five percent of drafts in the 18th round, like it is almost physically impossible for him to be like really highly represented in the in the fantasy playoffs because it, it just he's just not being drafted enough. And you're you're not you know unless he's Josh Jacobs of last year he just can't have that big of an impact going in the 18th round. I mean, I look back to like Eli Mitchell. I don't know that there was a guy last year, but Eli Mitchell two years ago on the 49ers uh, when we thought it was a uh, Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert and, and those guys. And then ended up being Eli Mitchell and uh, uh, CPAT also that season. When CPAT, we had really, yeah. Although he was a wide receiver. Yeah. So it's a little different, um, but Eli Mitchell is probably the, the best example where he, he was like, yeah, maybe three to 5% drafted. And even though he was awesome, I mean, he was an incredible pick if you got him in the 18th round. He still wasn't really very popular in the playoffs because there just weren't enough teams with him. So that's like the, the upside case. But obviously, these are lottery tickets. So like, how are you kind of handling those guys at the end? So, yeah, so I actually have an article that I'm working on right now. I'm hoping to get it out Monday morning. Um, and it dives into this question. And I, I think I might be kind of like, I don't know what the it seems like maybe the the narrative or the kind of the the intuition around this would be like you know this would be the time where you can get some lower owned guys and then later in the year you're going to you know it's going to be kind of harder to do that um mm. but I I've been thinking like maybe the time to really hit the lower owned guys is at the very end of drafts which I don't know, maybe that maybe that is kind of common sense, but the it just struck me that you know last year we had uh, Samaji Pirine was was very low owned it, it, it overall because Chris Evans was the guy that was being selected in early drafts and Pirine did not have uh, a very good playoffs. Uh, I think he, he had, I think he had an okay final, but he was crushing for you over a three week stretch had his three week stretch been moved back like four weeks he would have been like the guy you needed and what jumped out to me is that like we didn't realize p ryan was the guy you had to have in <clears throat> as the backup in cincinnati until pretty late like until you know mid to late august or i think he mm -hmm. might have even been more like kind of late August, early September was like, Oh no, this, this guy was, was sitting in the final preseason game and Chris Evans was active. He's the backup. It's yep. official. <clears throat> so at that point, I'm actually now planning to chase steam on guys like P Ryan. I actually want to be like a fish and go in just like whoever the hot guy is, you know, in August, I'm going to be drafting that player on a lot of my teams. Even if it's like, oh, dude, this guy used to be in the 18th round for free. Now you got to pay like a 15th round price for him. Like, yes, I want I want to pay a 15th round price for, you know, whoever ends up being the backup in the on the Bengals, on the Vikings, you know, on the Rams. Like, we don't really know those right now. But if I have reason to to feel confident that I now can properly identify the clear number two on those teams. I will pay, you know, three rounds. I'm not gonna pay a 12th round pick for him, but I'll pay yeah. 
you know, a 14th round. Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll chase a guy up four rounds because what I think the advantage of drafting right now is primarily is that like there are guys probably sitting in the round 10 or 11 range at running back that are going to get drafted in kind of round seven, round six, round seven, right? There's guys in the round 14 range that are going to be drafted around round eight. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's going to be guys that make big jumps in ADP value, but I don't know that those jumps are necessarily going to come. Well, they, they will, they will come from all the way kind of outside the player pool, but your odds of identifying them are so much lower, right? That's like, yeah. Yeah, like yes, there are going to be guys that are currently undrafted that are going to be really, really strong picks. But you got to wade into this huge sea of uncertainty, and you know, it's like, yeah, there's some fish out here, but it's like, yeah, but this you're in the middle just, of the fucking ocean, yeah, yeah and yeah, it's a mile, it's a mile, <laughs> this is a, things a mile wide. What do you mean? Technically, yes, there are fish out here, but good luck living through the experience yeah. of trying to catch one. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like I can, you know, in my, <laughs> there's a little bucket in the 13th round or I can just fish in there. And I, I have much higher chance of finding the guy who is going to jump up a few rounds in value. And, you know, the team that I drafted last year, it had Ramondre Stevenson in the 10th round and he was a huge value gainer. But like, I mean, it's Ramondre Stevenson. No one was, it's not like I had to tell people who Ramondre Stevenson was, you know, his 10th round pick. <laughs> He was he was had a very promising rookie year. There was a chance that he could take the job over from Damian Harris, which ended up happening. Like it was all pretty high floor stuff. And it just we just weren't drafting him higher at that point because we weren't we weren't confident that, you know, his upside outcomes would play out. And then we became more confident that he really was going to make a push for the job and and all that. And that's I think one of the advantages of drafting now is that you have a chance to get guys who are going we're going to start to feel more confident about their chances but we already were pretty confident that they had a good shot at you know number two role or you know like like Jalen Warren is an example of a guy like I could see Jalen Warren moving up a lot if they're like I don't know I think this dude's this is going to be a committee like they really like him or you know Mm -hmm. someone someone like that maybe maybe Warren isn't the guy but Gibson has already started to move up if the hype train continues on, continues on him. Once we figure out the Eagles, once we figure out the Eagles backfield, like these prices are not right. I don't know if I'm drafting. I I prefer Rashad Penny, but like we get to camp and Rashad Penny gets the first snap with Jalen Hurts, right? As the starting running back. He ain't, you ain't getting him at 115 anymore. That's right. I'll tell you that right now. You know, there's st- I, I don't know who those guys are, but I know that they or he's on the roster bubble. I don't know. Penny's not yeah. getting a lot of work with the the one. He's repping with the threes today. Like, yeah, now it's know, Gainwell sudden, or Swift or, or you Swift. know, now yeah. 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 But it's generally, generally, I think most of your gains right now from drafting, most of your gains from drafting right now will be within the obvious player pool the guys who definitely should be getting drafted. I think it's just like we have the order of those guys wrong. We know that. We don't know in which direction for many, many players or or all the players. And drafting right now, you're giving yourself pretty good odds of landing on some dudes who are going to shoot up. And, you know, you, you also are going to land on guys who fall or get hurt. Or, you know, you're going to have more dead teams in this area uh, of the draft window. One thing I'm not super psyched about is then, okay, I'm already going to have more dead roster spots on these teams. So I'm going to like 
guess right about you know the the Vikings uh, number two back. <laughs> I'm gonna guess right. Dalvin Cook hasn't even been cut yet. I'm pretty sure he will. But okay, I'm gonna I'm like it's definitely Ty Chandler. It's definitely Dwayne McBride. I've taken those guys a little bit. I've mixed them in a Very little bit, little. but like, but it's it just makes I'm like. Is this really the way that I'm gonna? I mean, it's just it's a it's a very very thin bet, and most likely what I've done is taken a team that was like an absolute smash because I because I was right right draft like you're right this team was crushing and I added on a zero, you know mm-hmm. at the very end I said this team's gonna smash in week 17 and I've got nothing I've got a big bag of nothing because I tried to be too precise too right and instead I could have taken a guy who has a job. I could have taken a tight end who has a job. I could have, you know, just played it a little safer knowing that I'm in this giant sea of uncertainty right now. On the other hand, if you have some late steam on a guy who is surging up boards, if that player was undrafted for most of the summer or like 80 to 90% of the summer, who cares? Who cares if you have to pay... Like you're going to show up in the playoffs, right? With that player and that player is not going to be represented by maybe any of the other 15 teams in that pod. Like you could have like, Oh no. Like you spent a 15 round pick, 15 round picks worth like $2. And yeah. we could probably even argue that might be too much. Cause what, it, it might be $1. Yeah. The late it, the, your point is get spot. Those picks even like up to the 14th, like you said, like ADP risers and movement and closing line value and all that different stuff is not all created equal, right? The getting Ramond, getting let, let, let's say Penny shoots up from 114 to 75 is a massive, huge win for that Rashad Penny. Getting the guy that was going at 216 or whatever, you know, 220 at and paying 175 even, like it doesn't really matter you know using the auction dollar i guess what i'm saying is i i think it does matter but in a good way that you're getting like they're saying not being drafted right if he was not being drafted now it's not good if you take a guy who's going the 16th in every single draft and now you're gonna pay a 13th round price tag for him i don't i like that less i still maybe don't hate it you Mm -hmm. know i think you get away with it if you if it's a 16th round pick drafted every single draft and now you're getting him in the eighth round i don't like it but in a lot of cases what we're going to do is we're going to take guys that we're getting going undrafted and we're taking them in the 13th, 14th, 15th round. If you were to do an auction draft, you know, you, you probably have like three guys on your team that have a dollar, you know, four guys on your team that you paid $1 for, you know, those, your last four picks are worth like a dollar. They're all worth a dollar. So it's the, what's the difference, you know? And if you are able to get there with a guy who was not popular early in the season, Again, you could be playing against teams that don't have him. One of the guys that jumped out to me as I was researching this article, Justin Jackson, who had absolutely no production at all in 2021, except he scored 30 points in half PPR in week 16 when Austin Eckler missed that game. He was very low owned throughout the entire tournament. He ended up having... The highest finals advance rate in 2021. <laughs> Over the last two years, only Justin Jefferson had a higher advance rate in terms of times drafted versus times made the finals 
than Justin Jackson. If you took Justin Jackson, he's the second best pick over the last two seasons in getting you to the finals after Justin Jefferson last year. And it's not just because he scored 30 in week 16. It's because when you scored that 30 in week 16 with Justin Jackson, no one else had it. No one else had it. You were like, he scored. I just want to point this out really quickly. He scored two touchdowns that entire season. They both happened in that week 16 game. He had about 500, we'll just ballpark it, 540 total yards on the entire season. 162 of them came in that game. He caught 22 passes on the season. Eight of them came in that game. He was just Austin Eckler, basically. He just, yeah, he had one Austin Eckler game and did nothing the rest of the season. And look, I mean, obviously the chances of that happening are like one in a million, you know, and, but the thing is, how, how did it happen? You know, that people would have landed on that. The, the road world blurb from this time last year on Justin Jackson was that he was on the roster bubble. He was not select for good reason. He was not selected because why would you take, you know, the number three back on the chargers who might not make the team. But then in August, there was a blurb that he had a stranglehold on the number two job. And the drumbeat was, you know, continue to be, no, he is the number two. And guess what? That was true. Austin Eckler didn't miss any time outside of that week 16 game. It's the only time Justin Jackson could have done anything. He did. You know, he was the clear number two, as it turns out. So, you know, the fact that it was 30 points and in week 16 is like, Variance, variance, variance. But I want to be overweight those situations. I want to go, this dude was thought to be cut. And now he's, you know, the beats The beats are saying he's the guy. I'm going to get a chance to make up something on those early drafters. Those early drafters who got, you know, we now know that Rashad Penny is, you know, a fifth round pick or that DeAndre Swift is a fourth round pick or, you know, Kenneth Gainwell is, you know, a 12th round pick or whatever <laughs> giant value gain we get out of the Eagles or whatever giant value gain we get out of whatever backfield from guys that are generally being selected in every draft. Those early drafters, when I show up to the playoffs, they get the advantage of all of that. I'm going to be facing the good versions of those early teams, not the teams that bombed and hit on a bunch of dead roster spots. I'm going to hit on the, the super teams. I'm going to be facing against the super teams from the early window as a late window drafter. One of the ways that I can make up some of that ground is if I show up with a guy they didn't even know to take. So I, I think like, and, and I think there's something psychological too, where you're like, this happened to me with Evans and P Ryan. It took me a long time to get on the Evans to get from Evans to P Ryan. Ben Gretsch was in my ear. Like, dude, it's P Ryan. It's P Ryan, man. What like, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes like talking to Ben's really helpful because he's not doing the best ball stuff quite as much. So yep. like, we're kind of in this, like, you oh everyone knows this everyone knows this everyone knows this and then ben was like why do you know that you don't know that at all it's p ryan and he was right and it didn't feel good to switch it didn't feel good to go well all my chris evans teams are dead so yep. uh, you know i gotta i gotta draft p ryan now that was that was stupid you know i completely whiffed that that it always feels really crappy to like admit that some guy you drafted a bunch of was not correct you know but if we make that type of mistake again this year, which we definitely will, everyone else will have as well. You know, if the market was wrong about which number two back to take on this this backfield, you know, you probably 
have some dead teams as a result, but everyone else has some dead teams as well, or, or dead roster spots, I should say, maybe not dead teams. Yeah. But then you have a chance to get leverage against all of those early drafters who, who got this big advantage on you by this potential for value gain. So I just think I'm kind of like pro chasing steam on these undrafted guys. I totally have kind of come to that conclusion as well. P Ryan is, is such a good example of it, but I think it's just another, it's just another situation where you can't just say, how far do we chase? Right. Any play, like you'll see this again, fantasy Twitter in a discord that you're in, you're hanging out with people. They're like, they'll treat the Daryl Henderson situation the same as the Samaj P Ryan situation. It's not the same. Right. But it'll be, be, Oh my God, he rose five rounds. Can I still draft him? Well, Daryl Henderson is very different when Samaj P Ryan rises five rounds. Daryl, Daryl Henderson went from where to where? Uh, Probably the 12th to the late fourth. Yeah. And he was drafted in every single draft, every single draft, no no matter what. Right. And, and so his outlook changed and you'll say, okay, now he's clearly better. Should I still take him in the fifth? And someone might say, well, Pat's like, I'm going to chase that steamy guy, right? It's like that situation is a very different steamy guy because of uh, all yeah, the things that's not you have what to I'm consider. talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And, but so the person might say, well, I don't want to chase P Ryan up from the undrafted up to the 14th or 13th round or something. You say, in a vacuum, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> but I, I'm not. It does. It feels terrible for just not even like the psychological reasons. Like you said, I was wrong. And then you're also like, God damn, imagine if I had been drafting him before yeah, we have yeah. to step, we have to separate yourself from all of that stuff. And you have to separate that specific situation from another situation. A in BBM, like you said, there are, or the DraftKings Millie or drafters, he's not being drafted in basically every single draft. And so we have to weigh that. That is an important, very, very important element, maybe the most important element to this this discussion point. And then you have to weigh the fact, like you just said, okay, I'm drafting in August. I know that there are going to be other teams from May and June and July that unlock some things that I physically can't unlock in my drafts anymore. Yeah, so they're unlocked. We know the so, answers are, you know, maybe not 100%, but we, we feel much more confident about what the answers are. But so the point of this August or early September draft is I have all this information. That they didn't have. So if you then say, I'm going to draft in August because I'm going to have much, right, it's safer. I got a lot more information. I can make smarter decisions about which specific players to select. I avoid injuries and all that kind of stuff. Then use that lever. You know what I mean? That Yes, you had to chase that guy up a, a, a little bit. But in terms of an actual value change from that guy, like, again, we're talking about going from a $1 player to a $2 player, maybe three. And it's like, does that really matter? Because you're getting so many other benefits. Yes, you paid right, two more right. bucks for that guy, but you got you got you know leverage, you got certainty, you got a better projection, you got all you got all these different things that also matter, not just the ADP rise. And the point of drafting at that point in the season is to take advantage of those. Like that, if you're waiting to draft until August and then you're not pulling the levers that make August drafting advantageous, then just draft now. <laughs> like you right, shouldn't. Right, just, right. You should, there, there's no reason to to do it. And then the other thing I'll say is, this happened last year. I think it was the puppy two, uh, the the puppy two then, which was like I don't know July or August. Now we're on the puppy two and on June first. 
I think that was, uh, or two years ago, the Henderson thing happened around that time. And so ADP, when you're drafting from within the app or on your, on your computer, is just a collective rolling ADP across all contests, right? So if you, if you really, you really want to like galaxy brain this, this is why talking about the contests separately is important. We'll get to the puppy 43, you know, in uh, August and, and that's a P Ryan. That's a P Ryan level rise. Well, let's use the, we find out it's not chase Brown, right? Right now it is assumed that chase Brown is Joe Mixon's backup or a, a, a veteran. They don't bring a veteran in and it's not chase Brown. It's Travion Williams, right? We get the, that same Samaj P Ryan Roto world blurb rubber stamp. The Bengals love Travion. He's the new P Ryan. He's undrafted right now, but in the puppy too, guess what? ADP is just ADP. Like if he, if he, if his ADP comes in at 180 when we start the puppy 43, like it's okay. You're not competing against teams that had him later. And like right. you need to treat that tournament differently, right? If you wanted to draft Daryl Henderson in the puppy two back then, after he had already risen all the way up, that was fine because guess what? There are yeah. no 12th round Daryl Henderson teams. Yeah, this is the reverse tournament. situation. In the puppy 43, I'm. Less interested in taking expensive running with the puppy 40, but well, 43 shout out to Pete over that who had the joke of when did the marriage fall apart somewhere between the puppy 43 and 44. That was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the puppy 43, the uh, it's sort of the reverse. Like, do I want to take 13th round Travion Williams? Not really, because he's not. Like, is he that much better of a bet than any of these other RB2s that I also have right. some information on? And he's happened to get steamed up because he's on the Bengals. And, you know, we, we saw what happened with P. Ryan, and it's just some recency bias at play there. And so I might, I might, you know, go another direction and go after another RB2 who's maybe a little bit more under the radar, but, we, you know, we have some similar reasons to feel more confident now that he's the RB2 or whatever. I wouldn't want to chase him up because in that tournament, I'm not going against very, maybe some depending on how long the puppy window is, but not a ton of, you know, really early season drafters that I'm going to have to make up that I feel like I want to show up with something they didn't have access to because they are going to, they're definitely going to show up with something I didn't have access to all those early ADPs that are so different than the ADPs now. But yeah, I would totally, I would totally be more open to taking the Daryl Henderson because I'm not going against 12th round Daryl Henderson either. And that's what I did. Yeah. He, he sucked. Uh, Shout out to him. Now he's, uh, is he bat, did he just had a visit somewhere? I, I think, think he's doing uh, this. I think he's doing best ball content. Yeah, now. yeah, probably. Probably, he's most famous. His entire football career is most famous for the fact that he rose nine rounds or whatever after Cam Mick. He didn't exactly do anything on the football field, but um, but yeah, that's exactly what I did that particular year. I had drafted a ton of Daryl Henderson. Obviously, everybody that knows me with the backup running backs and and how I construct my teams most of the time. And so he was just this perfect fit on the teams that I was doing. I got a shit ton of him in early best ball mania drafts, got lucky, right? Cam makers goes down. You get lucky. Now you have this fourth or fifth round pick that you got in the 12th round. Boom. Done in best ball mania. I was done. I'm not drafting Daryl Henderson anymore. The rest of these teams can get the shitty versions of the Daryl Henderson teams that I've already drafted. Then the puppy two comes back around and I'm like, actually, I think he's kind of undervalued because everybody like me in best ball mania is saying, or he really, he's probably like an early third rounder, but all these teams got him in the 12th round. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to chase him up there. And here he is sitting at the four or five turn. And I'm like, I don't know. I can start zero RB teams with this guy. Who's like, you know, like to me, like a, a early third round pick. 
And so then I did, I dipped my toes back in to Daryl Henderson in that contest. But like, that's how you're playing all of these, these different factors. The one other thing um, that I was going to talk about as in terms of drafting right now, not necessarily in terms of uh, how to, you know, how to handle the uh, Samaj P Ryan or Daryl Henderson situation, but how I'm kind of combating the ideal is that I want to be able to have my cake and eat it too at just about any point in the summer when I'm drafting. And in particular right now, I want to take advantage of all the things like you said, I want to get the risers. I want to luck box into these risers, right? The reason why we draft in May and June, the chaos of the off season, let that all play out in my play out in my favor. But I don't want to have to do it with the guys like you said that are just total like no one knows, right? Chase Brown versus Travion Williams versus uh, Chris Evans again, or Ty Chandler versus Dwayne McBride or uh, Kyron Williams versus Zach Evans. Like there are reasons to take all those guys. I'm not saying I'm going to have zero of them in my portfolio, but how do I get these benefits that you've outlined of these early drafts while not like almost willingly taking zeros at the back end? And it's like, I look at it and I'm like, look, I don't love Mac Jones. I'm not some Patriots stan. Um, there's other guys, the 40, the 49ers are maybe not the best example, but if you really have some strong belief about Purdy or something, but there's like late quarterbacks that go in this. And, and in particular, there are late tight ends that yeah. are yeah. not getting cut that are they're not, getting cut. Not, not only are they not, they're getting, not getting, getting cut, benched, they're not getting benched. Hunter Henry is not getting benched. Um, it, 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 Jelani, um, Tyler Conklin, Hayden Hurst, uh, uh, Logan Kate Thomas Otten. is a guy. Lakeda and Logan Thomas is a guy who I just started taking a little bit on teams where he he makes sense. It's like he literally goes undrafted and like they didn't bring anybody in and he's running with the ones back again and he Here's, used to be kind of kind of good there. But he's one one example of all, there's so many guys back there that I can just construct my rosters in a way that's like I build a team that needs a late tight end or two or a late quarterback or two and now I get to the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th round and. I, Dude, Mac Jones ain't getting cut. Hunter Henry's not getting cut. I draft those guys, and then I can still have my cake from the, the the benefits of the draft early in the first 13 rounds. Yeah, I started to get like a little bit creeped out when you said have your cake and eat it too, because I have literally in this article, I have a section called pairing ceiling and floor. And I said, ideally, we'd like to have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> And I was like, is he going to make the exact point that I just made in this article? And luckily, it was a slightly different point. Yeah, that's but, good. But my point was, so preferably we can identify backs who have underpriced upside while also providing strong odds of regularly seeing the field on Sundays. And my, I kind of go on to talk about how, you know, last year the example of this was Jamal Williams, who had an ADP of 167 and a half. I include a tweet from Hayden Winks, who was pointing out that at the time, Jamal Williams had an ADP of 193 and was being listed on the athletic as the one B, you know, I wasn't in that into Jamal Williams. Cause you know, Jamal Williams sucks, right? You don't, you don't need to take Jamal, Williams. but obviously dumb, right? That's dumb because we should be taking guys right now who are giving us the floor of he's definitely the number two, you know, pure contingent upside that's locked in. And maybe we're just wrong about how much the starter is going to get used and how much, mm-hmm. and I think in particular, in retrospect, I mean, Williams was such an obvious play because DeAndre Swift has some weaknesses as a back, you know, he's not, his yep. success rate was poor, you know, his, his between the tackle stuff has been an issue. 
you know, it's pretty clear they they weren't like fully in love with him. And it turns out they they didn't like him at all. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've got that that like floor ceiling combo with a guy like Jamal Williams. Uh, two years ago, Devin Singletary offered a similar bet. He had an ADP yep. of 142.4. That's not quite in the late rounds, but you would be able to get him sometimes in the late rounds. Um, and he was the, the number two on the bills at worst behind Zach Moss. Uh, turns out he was the number one on the bills. And so my feeling right now is I would like to pay up a little bit for the guys that I think are very likely to have a role that also have, you know, contingent value or maybe some committee value. And I'm not guessing. And I would say, you know, so last night I drafted a team and, uh, I just thought this was a really fun team. I took Brees Hall in the third. I got Samaji Piran in the ninth, which I kind of like that as a combo just to help me, mm-hmm. help me get through the early season. Then I took uh, three more backs. I took Kendry Miller in the 11th, Jalen Warren in the 12th, and Tank Bigsby in the 13th. Those guys are all, I think, very good bets to have a role, especially I'm expecting a suspension for Kamara. So, so Kendry Miller maybe has an early season role, should also have a late season role. If he's any good tank Bigsby looks like, you know, pretty safe bet given the lack of competition there to be the number two. And they're reporting every other day about how we want to back off on ETN's uh, total workload. So another other in his cap. Yep. And then Jalen Warren, I think is the best back on the Steelers. (laughs) So it's like a hot take that I don't even think is a hot take, but so you're getting those guys. Now that's 11, 12 and 13. So I didn't really spend any late round picks on those guys. They're kind of, you know, I'm paying a premium. They're sort of like late round style picks that I'm taking in the double digit rounds, but but paying up a bit for. What I, I, I mean, I lucked out. I got Rasheed Rice in the 14th round. He was like 30 picks past ADP. So that was nice. But then I got Michael Mayer in the 16th, Dawson Knox in the 17th, and Jelani Woods in the 18th correlated with Anthony Richardson. Um, and Mayer is kind of a nice little, little bring back there. Those, those are my only tight ends. So I took advantage of now I like going elite tight end, but I also have written as as an elite tight end proponent. Yeah, we're not doing this in every draft. <laughs> we yeah, can't right. Afford to have a portfolio that's only these guys, right? So uh, it just be impractical and impossible. So I like going after those those tight end values late. And if I'm gonna take three like that, what does it allow me to do? It allows me to push up the running back picks a little earlier. It's one of the things that unlocks. And, you know, I can take running backs who have real potential to gain in value or just potential to spike at the right time this season because I'm confident they at least have a job. Like they're going to get me in the door for that variance. I'm not going to end up with like this team. I don't think has very high odds of like total dead roster spots. Josh Downs was my 15th round pick. He'll he'll be out there. Right. And 16 and stuff like there's injuries obviously are always a concern and I could definitely have dead roster spots. Uh, I probably will have one or two dead roster spots because of an injury on this team, but the, the chances of like having kind of drafted a guy who really never had a chance to provide me any points. I think I've minimized that by taking advantage of that tight end pocket. Like you're talking about. And that's the thing is it's, it's, it's the having your cake and eating it too. It's the drafting. Like we, we know we need the ceiling. We know we need to win this tournament. But in order to win the tournament, 
you there is some level of this floor idea right with not just like a floor of i think people will think of a floor and like he projects for x amount of yards and x amount of fantasy points it, it is not that it is a floor across my teams where i know i i it's a, a no lose floor right this th- this pick is allowing me not to lose this draft am i going to win it i don't know you know probably not there's only a you know 2 out of 12 teams win this but devin singletary and chuba hubbard and and P Ryan and and all of these guys allow me to not lose this draft because I know I have Jelani in my back pocket and Michael Mayer in my back pocket and I, I'm I'm taking far too much Mac Jones in my back in my back pocket. Seventeenth you know, round I, Knox was pretty nice. I mean that was past ADP, but I was like, start, but that's, that's the starting look, tight end for the Bills. I bet we could list fifteen tight ends that you can get in the late rounds. And that may seem like an exaggeration, but I'm not sure that it is depending. No, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I, uh, I did a podcast yesterday with Daigle and we, uh, we looked at a chart that Hayden Winks had had posted on differences in ADP from last year. And the non Kelsey early tight ends are going much later, but the late tight ends are also going later. So there's, there's ADP value. It like compared to last year, and now maybe that'll change over the course like of the yeah. overall positional landscape. Yeah. It, it, they're going cheaper, and maybe that maybe that will shift later in the year. But it, that would be a reason to target that pocket now. That's the last thing I was going to say is, if we think if we see this, and other people see this, and like everybody like late round tight end is certainly not a thing that people are uh, you know unaware of. I think it was even Herzig put out like if you could draft his dream best ball team this year. It was three late tight. It was three late tight ends. I think a lot of people are clearly as the elite tight ends besides Kelsey are being priced down more. People are interested in kind of punting off tight end. It's, it's, it, it's totally viable. It makes sense why people are into it, but then we're going to get later and there's going to be dude, a Hunter Henry blurb that says, yep. Hunter Henry back at starting tight end for the Patriots. Mike right? There's going to uh... Yeah, punched himself in the face trying to block a dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mike Mike is just now Juju's backup. Like, congratulations. <laughs> like, you know, like uh, Juju now the, backing up Mike Gasicki in the slot. There's gonna be a Jelani, dude. Get Jelani out there in some shorts with no shoulder pads on, running around catching passes from. There's gonna be a Twitter highlight, and they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, S- is this a second year the breakout for Jelani?" Jelani. I'm surprised we haven't gotten that already. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, you know what? He has a hamstring injury. That's why he's uh, he's well, got a hamstring. He's not out there. See, but. The, why can't those another cake and eat it too? Why can't the tight ends be the risers, right? We know that there will be a P Ryan. We know that will. there will be a, will someone, but the tight ends are going to rise too. So now you're, you're setting yourself up for this beautiful situation of you created zero risk. You created just amount, j- just the same amount of upside. All those running backs, dude, Warren, Algier, uh, all these guys, they all have huge upside, just like there's no difference in their ceiling. It's probably higher. I mean, shit, we saw Tyler Algier do it. We've seen Chuba yeah, do Tyler it. We've seen, good, we've seen Warren like be good on an NFL football field. We haven't seen Ty Chandler, you know? And like, I, it, sure, I'll chase Ty Chandler's team later. But like we can, again, we can have I all will of chase that. Ty Chandler's team later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, but we can have all of the benefits of that. Them ranked, but. Without, yeah, you don't want ninth round Ty, Ty Chandler. But that, that I mean, team. does Sylvan know Madison is on the team? Like, <laughs> it's only Dalvin that's getting cut, right? Like they're not cutting. That would Madison. be something if they cut Madison too. <laughs> 
they just paid they just paid madison they put him that was the that was the false flag was they put madison on the twitter uh banner and they were like <laughs> yeah. not you fuckers it's really it's dalvin and it, him and dalvin look alike so they were gonna cut both of them uh but you can have all of that dude and like you can you you could capture insane adp value by not drafting the risky guys at the end you can capture insane ADP. Like that's the thing you're like drafting for now. And we know that ADP value, closing line value will exist and all of that, but you can get it without exposing yourself to like tanking awesome, awesome teams because you willfully took a zero. Like there's so many ways that we can be smart about how we right. It's a thoughtfulness thing again. Like what Sigmund did. Was that complex? Fuck no, that was not complex. What he did, he took Travis Kelsey and Devonta Smith, two pretty good picks. Are we doing anything complex? Saying like uh, Hunter Henry in the eighth round seems good. Uh, you know, Jelani's got some upside. Michael Mayer was probably the best tight end in this class and is free. Like, are we? We're not doing anything complex by saying that. And then it's just thoughtfulness that leads into really well constructed teams. Yeah. Yeah, and just understanding the strengths of the period that you're drafting in and playing to those strengths. I'll, I'll try to tie this all together real quick. You know, one thing we talked about early with the, the chalky stacks and, and stuff that you can do with that, I think if you had a Mahomes-Kelsey team, you know, talk about how you could maybe push uh, Mahomes to the third round, really, you know, try to push that edge and construct a, a team that looks kind of like an August team with the Mahomes-Kelsey stack, but that has all this June value. Well, in August, if you want to draft Mahomes, Kelsey, I would be even more interested in targeting those backups, mm. backup running backs who aren't, who were not being drafted early on, because that's one way Mahomes, Mahomes and Kelsey have a quiet week 16, but Ty Chandler scores 30, you know, well, Ty Chandler was being drafted on, I don't know. He's almost not drafted at all right now. So you're getting huge advantage on, I mean, imagine that you show up with a late August team. That's Mahomes and Kelsey. You got, you got Mahomes in the third round and you Mahomes and Kelsey are are fairly high owned because they had pretty good uh, week 15, not such a great week, 16, great regular season. You, and it's just a super popular one. So it's kind of, kind of snuck in and stuff you get to show up with the third round version of that. Everyone else is going to show up with like the the second round version. And the reason that you get to show up with the, with the cheaper version is because you had some guy, they just didn't have access to. You had the, the late round Ty Chandler, whoever ends up being that powers you through, you know, you could end up with a much stronger version of, of the team than, than they have because you're taking advantage of all the information Maybe maybe it's a healthier version of the the Mahomes Kelsey team, you know. It's like yeah, these guys they got some ABP values, but they they have fewer live roster spots than you do. So, I think playing to the strengths of the season, but also trying to think through if you are going to factor in some of this chalky stuff. Well, then maybe you want to be thinking through the overall ownership once we get to the playoffs a little bit more and trying to take advantage of that late season ability to to draft the low-owned guys. That, my friend, is how you fucking put a bow on a, a conversation right there. Literally tied in basically everything that we've talked about here today into one really simple and easy but one more concept. Thing. Yeah, but, one more <laughs> but before we wrap, let's really dive into this Vikings backup running back thing, <laughs> yeah. okay? 
yeah. Let's really get our hand in the dirt and pull up some Dwayne McBride and Ty Chandler and uh, who's the uh, <laughs> Kenne Wongwu? Is he still on there? Is he still on there? Yeah. yeah, I know he's, yeah, he's basically a not a running a running back, but uh, but Dwayne, you don't know. It could be Kenne. Okay, we could be talking about Kenne Wongwu uh, uh, in a little while. <laughs> obviously, obviously kidding. I've learned. Um, I'm a terrible host, and I think you said in like our first show, business person, clearly, because I keep forgetting to do the promo at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah. I, and, I've and, never done the promo. I think I've done it once. I've done my promo stuff at the beginning of episodes. I need to do – I what I need to do is just – which is super lame and lazy, but uh, record something just in case – just for in case I forget so I can just click a button that shows a video clip or something. But anyway – if you made it this long with us, if you made it through uh, last week's real marathon episode, we appreciate you. And you are probably the perfect customer for a fun little partnership that we have between Legendary Upside and Spike Week. Obviously, Pat is providing all this killer type analysis and rankings and everything over at Leg Up. And we at Spike Week are providing the best ball tools. We have tons of different tools, but our two keynote tools being uh, Draft Hacker, which are overlays that you can use on your, and I, I can't even keep track of how many customizable options that you can select as a subscriber to show specifically on your screen while you're drafting to help you figure out some of these things like Pat talked about and like we talked about here today. It's a multi-table as well. If you're trying to fire off three puppies at once, you know, you got, you got maybe the double monitor in the phone. It can, uh, you get the two it's, overlays. It, it does help I, quite a bit. I can't draft like without it, even though I feel like, like you feel like you can like calculate all these things in your head, right? Like when you're on the clock, but there's just something about, right? This guy's popping in green. All his playoff matchups are highlighted. His exposure is this percentage. I use, um, I show exposure like with my quarterback one and I show exposure with my first round pick and my second round pick. And so like, I'll get to, we get to Jalen Warren versus Tyler Algier. And I'm like, I can, I can make really quick and easy. Just like, I don't have to think I, sh I can even shut the brain off. And the screen is just saying, no, it's Warren here, dude. It's Warren on this team or no, it's Algier on this team. And I don't have to go through that mental processing. So that's, that's definitely the big one. If you're drafting the rest of the summer, it is absolutely killer. And then once you draft your teams, we have a, a portfolio tool we call Draft IQ, which really helps me and has helped me a lot so far this summer dig into the drafts that I've done and kind of see maybe where some gaps are in my portfolio or see maybe where some things I really want to start to to push my edges uh, structurally, player combinations, week 17 game stacks, all that kind of stuff that you can see there. And you get 40% off of your Spike Week subscription if you are a legendary upside subscriber and all you got to do is use promo code leg up. So make sure you go subscribe to Pat and then you can come get 40% off of a spike week subscription. What did I miss Pat? Well, I'll just let people know I am still running in early bird discount. So if you want to subscribe to legendary upside um, with some, some content coming out very shortly that I've been cooking, it's been a little bit of a slow burn to get these articles the way I want them, but um, I'm going to be, putting this one that we kind of talked through some of the key concepts of on this episode out very shortly. Uh, I also am going to be launching DraftKings ranks in addition to the nice. underdog ranks that I have. Um, feeling pretty good about those. I actually, to be honest, drafting off those on DraftKings, I found more helpful than drafting off the ranks on underdog because the ADP is so much looser. I just yeah. like want to be able, and you can on DraftKings, you can rank you can sort by and ADP forth. and yeah. So you can, so it's actually super helpful because I'm like, just, who do I like here? Okay. And then who, what's the ADP value? So it's actually 
I, th- I just think it's so much more powerful. I was like, yeah, I got to figure out a way to get, get the people these ranks too. So uh, those will be launching. I'm planning on getting those out Monday too. Um, and so, yeah, you can look for those. Uh, if you go to legendaryupside.com slash early, that's how you get the early bird discount. I do still have some underdog credits available. You got to fill out a form. Um, if you're this, the, the link to where that form is on the site uh, will be in the description. Um, got to fill out that form so that I can send your username over to underdog, but you can get a $50 underdog credit uh, if you sign up right now. So it's a pretty good deal on top of the 40% off spike week that you get as a legendary upside subscriber. It is uh, financially irresponsible not to sign up for my site. I totally, I totally agree. And I will make sure um, if you're watching now, all of that information will be in the description of this video. I'm sure Pat will do the same. This gets posted on both of our channels. So Pat's latest article and where you can go to get all of those discounts and all this damn free money. Apparently when you win $2 million, you just start giving away tons of free, of free money. But that's going to do it for us here on Legendary Sickos. Everybody have a, a wonderful weekend and we will see you guys next week. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there, you can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.